Thank you for listening in to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. For more information, visit our website at cumberlandcornerstone.org. Well, good morning. We're glad that you have joined with us uh, today as we uh, gather for our Sunday morning service here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. And I'd like to encourage you to, to grab your Bible and open up with me to John chapter 13. As we look at a very familiar passage of Scripture, as we bridge John 13 and 14 together this morning, and seeing Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And I know that we've uh, probably, uh, not probably, I know that we've had messages on this before, but we want to look at it in a, a new light this morning as we work our way through the Gospel of John. And you know, I think this message has some great value for us, even in the world in which we are living in today. Uh, and uh, I know that there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of uh, nervousness, there's a lot of uh, unsettled hearts, and uh, there's some great words from our Lord here, and some great thoughts that we can, can gain from our Lord here as we think about this this morning. But let's read the passage today, uh, beginning in chapter 13 and beginning in verse 31, all the way down through chapter 14, verse 12. So, so when he had gone out, and speaking of Judas there, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. You know, I read a story uh, this week uh, uh, as I was thinking about this message of a, 
a person who was wearing a button on their jacket with the letters B-A-I-K on the button. And uh, someone came up and asked them uh, what, what the letters on the button meant. And the reply was, boy, am I confused. And the person who asked the question said, but, but you don't spell confused with a K. And to which the man replied, you don't know how confused I really am. You know, one of my favorite TV shows over the last few years was the show Lost, and I've shared that with you as well. But Lost uh, appeared to be about a plane that crashed on an island in the middle of the, the ocean, and those who survived were stranded on this island, and no one knew where they were. They were, they were lost. Uh, and the show lasted for six years. And, uh, you know, it turned out that after six years of watching the show, I was more lost than uh, about what was going on than the characters on the show were. I was wearing the B-A-I-K button, if you will. You know, I, I suppose that there are times, and I do believe that this is one of those times in our lives when we all kind of feel like we're wearing that button. Times when we're confused. Times when we're bewildered, times when we don't really understand what's going on in our own lives and in, in the world around us. You know, there are times, and I do think that now is one of those times when things just don't seem to be making much sense. And, and you know, the question why is dominating our thinking. And we just don't really understand what is going on around us, what's happening around us. You know, as we come to John chapter 13, verse 31, I think the disciples would have qualified for that B-A-I-K button. Boy, am I confused. Things are moving rapidly toward the crucifixion. Jesus is talking about leaving them. They, they really don't understand what's going on. Jesus has spoken about the fact that uh, one of his disciples is going to betray him. And they were confused and bewildered about that as well. Lord, is it I? Lord, you know, who is it? Which one of us? Why? And in the passage before us this morning, we're going to discover that Jesus speaks comfort to those who are confused. And he encourages them, he encourages us to put our trust and our confidence in him. You know, think about this, folks. While we don't understand what is happening at times in our life, and maybe even today, he does. He knows, and he's able to give comfort, but he's able to give understanding as well. What we read here in verse 31 of John 13 is that after Judas leaves, and we saw that last week, Judas has left the upper room, Jesus now begins to minister to the rest of his disciples. And beginning in verse 31 and going all the way through chapter 16, he ministers comfort and peace to his men. He answers their questions, he gives them understanding, and what we see is that Jesus cares about his own and he ministers to his own when they are confused, when they are bewildered, when they are not understanding what is happening. And he does the same for us today. Be encouraged by that. Be encouraged by that. 
So as we look at this passage this morning, there are really three things that cause the disciples to be confused or bewildered. And we want to look at each and every one of them. The first thing is their fears. And fear does that to us. But their fears is seen in verses 31 through 38. Uh, as Jesus, the one who has been their closest friend, uh, and actually he's been more than just a friend, he, he's their teacher. He is their master. He is the Messiah. And, and now he is talking to them about leaving. And he says, now the son of, verse 31, man is glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, you know, Jesus is talking about leaving, leaving them. I don't know if you've ever lost your best friend, but those of you who have lost your best friend or you've lost a spouse or you've lost a child or or something along those lines, you have some understanding of the feeling of these men. You know, again, I I, I tell you stories that, that, that are familiar to me and that probably you're getting tired of hearing, but we moved to from Maryland, from Eckert, Maryland to Columbus, Ohio when I was 12. 11 years old, right in the middle of my sixth grade year. And, and it was a difficult time to leave my friends here and, and to realize, you know what, I'm, I might see that. Yeah, as an 11-year-old, I probably don't even really understand that I'm going to see them probably again in my life. But as far as I was concerned, they were gone. And, and you know, maybe you had the same experience, kind of had the same experience when I graduated from college. You know, graduated from high school. You're leaving people behind, friends behind. Many of you have moved from one area to another area, leaving friends behind. Here Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I'm going to leave you. And think about it. This is more than just their best friend. He's their hope. He's their savior. He's the Messiah. And as he speaks of his departure, He speaks about his glorification in verses 31 through 33. And and we know the the truth of the matter is these disciples would be glad to see him to be glorified. But he links his glorification with his departure. He says, now the Son of Man is glorified, verse 31. God is glorified in him, but I'm, I'm going away. I'm departing. And to add to the confusion, he says to them at the end of verse 33, and where I am going, you can't come. I am going someplace. I'm going away from you. And and the place that I'm going, you can't follow. You can't come. Then in verses 34 and 35, he gives them a command that implies he will no longer be with them. This departure is going to be permanent. As, as he basically says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Basically, he says, you know, you have to carry on without me. You, 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 my departure is going to be permanent. You have to carry on. You must go on showing the world my love. And certainly the disciples are are a little confused now. And once again, we see Peter stepping into that that void, if you will, and voicing their confusion. 
And he says in verse 36, Lord, uh, where are you going? Now, from the human standpoint, Peter can't think of any place where Jesus could go that he would not follow him. He could not even begin to think about being separated from the Lord. And so Jesus responds in verse 36, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. And that statement didn't really do anything to to take away the confusion. That that statement left Peter with, with a question. Because even if Jesus is talking about death, verse 37, Peter says, I'm willing to follow you even to the point of death. At least he thought he was willing to do that. He says, Lord, verse 37, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And I believe Peter meant it. In Peter's mind, his commitment to the Lord was firm. In Peter's mind, he was so committed to the Lord that he would even be willing to follow him to death. But Peter didn't really know his own heart. And the very fact of the matter is, the Lord tells him in verse 38 and and in the other Gospels as well, before that night would end, he would deny three times that he even knew Christ. Here he says, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere, even to the point of death. And Jesus said, before the night's over, Peter, You're going to deny you even know me three times. And that news, think about it, folks. That news not only shocked Peter, but it stunned the rest of the disciples as well. After all, if Peter, our leader, denied the Lord, what hope is there for the rest of us? And and, And as we come to chapter 14, you have to get all these things in your mind. The Lord's saying, I'm, you know, one of you is going to betray me. The the Lord's saying, Peter, you're going to deny me. And guys, I'm going away and it's permanent. I'm not coming back. And where I'm going, you can't follow now. You'll follow later, but not now. And Jesus knew that the events of this night had troubled and confused his disciples. He could read it in their faces. And that's why I think in verse 1 of chapter 14, he says to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. He calms their fears by encouraging them to rest their faith in him. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. In other words, stop being stressed out and all stirred up. Boy, couldn't we use that right now? I find that I watch a little bit of news and I see a little bit of what's going on in our world, whatever it is in the, over the last few months, and I start getting a little stressed out. I start getting a little stirred up. And it's like the Lord has to say, calm down. I've got this under control. And and here he says to his disciples, put your trust and confidence in me. Stop looking around you. 
Folks, that's where we get ourselves in trouble, right? Remember Peter walking on the water? He was doing just fine until what? The wind and the waves. He began to notice the things around him. And that's what happens to us in our life. The circumstances of life begin to creep into our vision and creep into our life and we start focusing on them instead of the Lord. Here Jesus says, trust me. Put your confidence in me. You may be confused. You may not understand what is happening. But you can trust me. And you can put your faith and confidence in God and in me. You see, that's the answer when we're confused. That's the answer when we don't understand. That's the answer when we don't know what way to turn. I don't know what it is that's causing you to have those feelings. Maybe it's a personal issue. Maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe it's what's going on in our world today. But when we find ourselves in that boat, the Lord says, hey, don't let your heart, don't get stressed out. Trust me. When you don't know which way to turn, trust me. When you don't understand, trust me. When you're confused, boy, am I confused, trust me. Their fears. Notice the second thing, their future. In verses 2 through 6 of chapter 14, Jesus now begins to tell them a little bit more about where he is going and, and why he's going. And then he tells them a little bit about how they are going to be able to follow him at a later time. And what he tells us here in verses 2 through 6 is his departure is really in their best interest. And they might not understand it and they might not realize it now, but it is necessary for him to go away in order to secure their future good. He speaks in verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go and I go to prepare a place for you. Here Jesus talks about dwelling places in, in his father's house and, and preparing a, a place for them. You know, when I think about the uh, mansions, we used to sing that I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. You know, and then, then you begin looking at that word and Bible teachers will talk to us about, oh, it's really a dwelling place. It's really like a condominium. I want to think about it as a mansion. But it really is just a dwelling place in the Father's house. And he says, I'm going to prepare that for you right now. His departure, his death is essential if he is going to open up heaven to his followers. And his departure may cause them grief here and now. But it's going to bring them great glory in the future. Yeah, it's going to be a difficult few days, the Lord says. Yeah, it's going to be a difficult time. But one day, you know, what I'm doing one day will provide a place for you in heaven. Well, we discover in verse 3 that his departure really isn't permanent. Notice what he says. And if I go and prepare a place for you, here's a great promise. One of the greatest promises in all of Scripture. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He will return. And when he returns, he will take his followers with him. And they will surely follow him, where? Into the Father's house. 
What's the Father's house? Heaven. Our eternal home. And Jesus concludes in verse 4 by saying, And where I go you know and the way you know. You know. He says, not only am I going away, you know the way. You know the way there. And Thomas is still a little bit confused, and he voices that confusion in verse 5. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? You know, we don't know where you're going, Lord, and if we don't know where you're going, how could we possibly know how to get there? And to relieve their confusion, Jesus makes that great statement in which he sets forth another one of his great I am claims. As he says in verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, folks, not only does he understand what's going on in our, our lives, not only does he have the answer to our problems, it is vital that we understand that he is the answer. He is the answer to man's greatest need. And so often, even you know, in our sadness and even when we need comfort and even in our loss sometimes, we are looking for other people to fill that void. We are looking for other things to fill that void when in reality, He is the answer to our problem. It's not other things. It's Him. It's the Lord. And He is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's, let's just think about those very briefly. And, and uh, we could preach a message on each one of these. In fact, we have. But let's just very quickly look at He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. Let's first of all take He is the way, verse 6. I am the way. What does that mean? He's the only way into the Father's presence. He is the only way into God's house. He is the only way to heaven. You see, Jesus is the only way by which people, by which sinners, and we're all sinners, can come to God and be assured of a place in his house in heaven. You know, there's an old saying uh, back in, in the day that all roads lead to Rome. And to some degree in the old Roman Empire, that was actually true. Everything, you know, Rome was the hub, if you will. But I've heard another saying in the spiritual world that is definitely not true. And that is this, all roads lead to heaven. And there are those who believe that different religions are not traveling on different roads that will you know, that, that there ultimately that all those different religions and all those different roads will ultimately lead to heaven. And that's just simply not the case. Different religions are not traveling on the road to heaven. They are simply leading people to hell. All roads do not lead to heaven. People are not getting to heaven because of their own thoughts. People are not getting to heaven because of their own good works. People are not getting to heaven because of their religious activities. No, here Jesus says to us very clearly, I am the way and the only way that you can get to heaven. Secondly, he says, I'm the truth. You know, all truth, all reality is bound up in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who gives meaning and purpose to life. 
He is the central truth of this whole creation. And we see that He is the capital T truth. You know, we've talked many times over the last couple of years that our world no longer believes in absolute truth. Our world no longer believes that there is absolute truth. You know, we, we want to all have our own idea of what truth is. We want to have our, all have our own idea of what reality is. But uh, absolute truth, folks, does exist. And it can be found in Jesus Christ and in His Word. That this is absolute truth. And even though our world doesn't want to accept it, and by the way, I think things are going to get worse in that regard. I think that things are going to get more difficult when we want to stand on absolute truth. But absolute truth can be found here and can be found only in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the truth because he faithfully represents for us the character of God. Truth is an essential attribute of God. And without truth, he could not be God. And Jesus Christ is the truth because he is the only one who ever completely and accurately represented and reflected the character of God. That's why he says to us, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But look at the third thing in verse 6. He's also the life. Jesus Christ is the source of all life. In fact, life comes from him. John's already told us that in chapter 1. And death has no claim on him because death comes because of sin. The wages of sin is death. But the Lord Jesus Christ is, is the Son of God. He has not sinned. And so for him to die, he must voluntarily enter into that realm as our sin bearer. That's why we've been telling you week after week after week, he's not a martyr. He's not a victim. They could not have killed him. He voluntarily lays down his life because he wants to be our sin bearer. And he triumphs over death because he's life. And he imparts then life to all those who come to him. He is the source of eternal life. And that's why he must leave. For he is the way. He who is the way. He who is the truth. He who is the life. He must open the way to the Father's house. For there is no other way to come into the Father's presence except through the Lord Jesus Christ and his death for us on the cross. So their future necessitated his departure and their relationship with the Father necessitated his departure. I must go away, he said. I must go. I must die. I must pay the penalty of sin. I must open the way to heaven. I must rise from the dead, conquering sin and death and hell once for all so that we might have a place in the Father's house. I must go away. It's expedient that I go away. The third thing is the Father. 
The third thing that was kind of confusing them as you read verses 7 through 12 is uh, the, the Father, God the Father. Since Jesus came to open the way up to the Father to bring his followers into a personal relationship with the Father, they, they should now understand because if they really knew Jesus, then they would also know the Father. That's what he, he says this all the way back in verse 1. You believe in God, believe also in me. And now verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Jesus came to reveal God to man. And so if they knew Jesus, they should know God, the Father as well, for they are of the same essence. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, you know. It is Philip now that speaks up in verse 8 and reveals that he's also confused. He's wearing that B-A-I-K button as well. Maybe he's thinking about it, the, the Old Testament theophanies or Christophanies where God appeared in the form of the man, a man. But he says to us, Lord, show us the Father and that will be sufficient for us. He, he, he says, show us the Father. You know, if, if we could just see God, Philip said, that, that would satisfy us. That would be good. That would be enough. Boy, have you ever said that about something? Man, if I could just see that, then I would know that that was true. And some people are indeed like that with, with salvation. If I, if I could only see God, you know, then, then I would know it was true. But Jesus said, Philip, you, you still don't understand. Have I been with you, verse 9, so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? You still don't understand who I am? After all this time and all this teaching, you still don't understand who I am. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Jesus tells them, all of them really, that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. They are one. What did he tell us back in John 10? I and the Father are one. He's told us that in John 8. He's told us all the way through. And that's why the Jews, want us, they understand he's claiming to be God. So if they would see Jesus for who he really is, that's been our question, who is this Jesus? Then they will have already seen God the Father, for he is fully revealed in God the Son. You know, much like Jesus had said to the religious leaders back in John 10, Jesus says here, if you don't believe what I'm telling you, in verse 11 as well, at least believe the works that the Father has done through me, that you have seen through me. You know, even if you don't believe my words, at least believe the thing. You saw me raise Lazarus from the dead. You saw me give sight to the blind man. You saw me still the, the wind and the waves and turn water into wine and all of these things. At least believe that. 
And Jesus then, verse 12, reassured them that even though he must depart, the works of the Father and the works of the Son and the works of God would continue in and through them. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. My departure is necessary. You're going to do greater things. And we'll see next week and in the weeks to come what those greater things are. But his oneness with the Father would be manifested in their lives. His, de- desulture, uh, excuse me, his departure would actually open up the way for even greater works. And as we will see, this will be accomplished through prayer and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We'll see that next week. But greater things will you even. It's, ne- it's necessary for me to leave. Again, they're confused. They couldn't understand why would he why would he leave us? They could see no possible good that would come from his departure. But he comforts them and he comforts their hearts and he encourages them to trust him in this. And then he explained to them where he was going and why he was going and how it was going to be beneficial to them. There's no reason to fear. In fact, his departure would secure for them their future. His departure would open the way into the Father's presence, into heaven. His departure would unleash the Father's power. His works that they had seen in his life would now be seen in their lives. Trust me, guys, Jesus said. Trust me. You know, he says that to us as well today. We need to trust him. We need to trust him even when we don't understand what's happening. We need to trust him even when it sometimes seems like our lives are falling apart. We need to trust him when we lose a loved one. We need to trust him when we lose our job. We need to trust him when the, you know, the stock market's going up and down. We need to trust him in the middle of a pandemic. We need to trust him in a world that, that is, is going crazy. We need to trust him and him alone. For Jesus Christ is the answer to our need. It's not other people. It's not a president. It's not a new law. It's not a new job or a new relationship It's the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Do you know Him? Do you know Him as your Lord and Savior today? It's the only way you're going to have understanding. It's the only way you're going to have comfort through Him. Father, thank You for the fact that Jesus Christ has opened the way of salvation to us. Opened the door of heaven to your presence through his death and resurrection. Lord, I pray that each one has that confidence, that hope, that one day they're going to spend eternity with you. And Lord, if they don't, if they don't quite understand that, or if they they are trusting in something other than the Lord Jesus Christ, may they clearly see today that he died on the cross for their sins. And that's the only way to heaven. 
And Lord, I pray for those of us who are believers in a world that right now is just a little crazy. Lord, may we trust you. It's hard not get, to get caught up in the things that are happening in our world and, and to be stressed out. Lord, may we have comfort because we trust you. That we realize you are in control of all things. You are working all things out for your good and for your glory. May we trust you for that. Thank you for this morning and this time to worship together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on our church, located in Cumberland, Maryland, please go to cumberlandcornerstone.org.